Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this episode where we are talking all about mindfulness. But we're talking, actually, we're talking to Amy Ratcliffe, the author of the new book, The Jedi Mind. And Charlotte and I are really excited because we have both followed Amy for a very long time online. So to get to have her on the podcast to talk about her newest book, The Jedi Mind, was just really exciting for the two of us. Yeah, it was it was great. And I feel like in this interview, we talk with Amy about her journey of mindfulness and if that word is kind of scary and obscure to you, I hope that through this interview, you'll learn something about the practice of mindfulness. And in fact, Amy actually leads us through a breathing exercise, which is super fun. And I'm so glad that she did that. And we talk a lot about the construction of the book, um, mindfulness habits and uh, routines and Star Wars and mindfulness. And I'm just really thrilled. And I know Caitlin is too, to have Amy on the show today as we have been wanting to have her on Sky Talkers for a really long time. I can't believe it's taken almost four years for this to happen, honestly. So I am really, really thrilled. Yeah, I am too. Uh, Mindfulness is, it's, it felt fitting for 2020 to have this book come out and to be able to talk to Amy about it. Uh, I talk about it in the show, but I have started incorporating different mindfulness practices myself in 2020. So, uh, and I, that wasn't anything that I had been doing before. So again, if this is something that is new or you're not even sure what it is, I hope that you might be inspired through this podcast and through Amy's book too. And Uh, You can always ask me, too, if you have any questions about it (laughs) with what little bit that I have done personally. But uh, it's a really great book. It's a really timely book. And I hope you guys enjoy our interview with Amy. Yes. And I want to say that the links for the book will be in the show notes if you're interested. And without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Welcome to the show, Amy. We followed you online for such a long time through your writing, your awesome podcast, Lattes with Leia. So we're so thrilled that you took your time uh, to speak with us tonight. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited to be here. I thank you for having me on the show. And I think you guys cover such an impressive, like, necessary topics that we need to be thinking about in fandom. And I think you do things that other podcasts don't. So I really admire you both and I'm excited. Oh, thank oh, you so much. So That's much. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That really means a lot, especially coming from you. I think that you, your, your breadth of work and your contribution to Star Wars and Star Wars fandom is just so impressive. And I know even before Caitlin and I even started Sky Talkers, we were following you. And I have always loved Lattes with Leia. I just, I, I love you and Drea's vibe and that I've always like, I love, I don't know. I love having a latte and listening to you guys. So I'm <laughs> oh, <laughs> really that makes happy. me happy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that when Caitlin and I were like a baby podcast starting off, we were like, ah, oh, the chill vibes that they, that they, you know, produce are just the best. So we definitely admire you. So thank you again. Yeah. yeah I think <sighs> your show was one of the first that we started listening to actually, when we started listening to Star Wars podcasts regularly. Oh, that's yeah. so flattering. Thank yeah. you. I'm going to share it with, I'm going to share this with Drea too. She'll be excited to hear it. <laughs> Do it. She's so cool. She, honestly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're here to talk about your new book, The Jedi Mind. And I am 
so excited about this book because I think it is so unique and so neat. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how this book came to be and what inspired you to create this book? Well, I would love to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The Jedi Mind kind of came about from a few different things. One being that I really wanted to selfishly work with my editor at Chronicle Books again, Steve Marcus, who I worked with on Star Wars Women of the Galaxy. And I just have a really good just relationship with Steve and he's delightful and a true, just bright, like light of a human being. And that's always uh, a gift. I'm like, let me say this in a, in a nice way. Um, Because that's not always the case with people you work with, right? That's what I'm trying to say, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to put it mildly. And Steve (laughs) is great. So there was that. And we were kind of talking about wanting to do something more in the lifestyle realm, something that we could, we talked about initially, you know, the, the fortune cookies at the beginning of the Star Wars, the Clone Wars episodes, because Clone Wars is the Star Wars that that made me love Star Wars. And those fortune cookies are full of, I think, you know, very applicable lessons to our our universe, our galaxy. And from there, it kind of evolved into this idea of like, okay, let's maybe not just focus on those fortune cookies, but instead let's look at the force. And I was, you know, I think I had talked to Steve at some point about really how much meditation does for my well-being. And that kind of led to a conversation about mindfulness. And we very quickly realized, like, I think there's something here. Like, we could talk about mindfulness, though it doesn't exist by that name in the Star Wars universe. We could, the the things Jedi say about the Force or the things the Jedi practice and the thing char- the things characters like Maz or Cheerit or people who kind of know about the Force say, like, it all kind of fits and speaking of Drea, you know, she is so cool and also so smart. She is a clinical psychologist and she works at UCLA here in California and does a lot of work in the realm of mindfulness with students, mindfulness and resilience. So I had her as a great sounding board to kind of make sure like this doesn't sound like the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard, right? To try to connect these dots because I didn't and it's a pun. I don't mean it to be, but I don't want to force a connection. Um, I'm sorry. No, um, the force pun is always there. Yeah. It's just, it's it. waiting. Yeah. How can, how can I not? And once I kind of at least got her, like, she was like, yes, this is a great idea. And she really likes it, you know, liked it from the idea of like, hey, maybe we'll introduce some Star Wars fans who might not know about mindfulness to kind of, you know, get their toes in the water and, and, talk about it because you know it is very much a a science-based thing that can help with people's mental health and physical health so that was kind of how it all began just like kind of coming up with this idea and making sure it just wasn't absolute uh, bs to be frank and making (laughs) sure that we could use the teachings uh, of yoda of qui-gon of so many characters and also pair them with bite-sized, uh, like a sampler platter, basically of mindfulness exercises, as I like to call it, because when you could go to restaurants, boy, that appetizer sampler platter is always <laughs> my favorite things to get. And if I can convince the person I'm at the restaurant with, like, let's just get one of those or maybe two of them, 
Yeah, I don't need anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I think that you know mindfulness and mental health, like you mentioned, that's kind of that's felt like it's been the topic of the past like five years. I feel like we hear about it so much more now, and a lot of people put it now as a priority now. But especially in 2020, right? Like there's it's you can't overstate it enough like in 2020 mindfulness is important <laughs> so what True. is it exactly <laughs> and for people like you i really loved how you described it as like a sampler platter the the book of mindfulness <laughs> exercises uh because that really is what it is and like helping people to just kind of get if they're not if they have no experience with mindfulness meditation um intentional breathing anything like that this really is like a starter guide to how to do that and to be able to connect it to star wars is of course something we all love and something that really is sprinkled throughout star wars in so many different places like you've pulled through in the book um so for people who haven't gotten the book yet um or won't because it's not out quite yet but um when they're listening to this in the future what is mindfulness and why is it so important, especially in 2020? I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I appreciate those words because I very much did want it to be kind of a starter's guide. This obviously is not an academic text. It is a starting point because the world of mindfulness is vast. And at its core, mindfulness is about being present in the moment and practicing things that help you be present and aware and it's really kind of as simple as that. So whether that is through meditation, which is a way you can practice mindfulness, even though not all meditation is about mindfulness, but you can certainly target that way. But it's not the only thing because I know not everyone is, you know, really on board with the idea of meditation for various reasons. So anything you can do, whether it's a breathing exercise, a sensory exercise, a walk in the woods where you don't take out your phone to take pictures, you don't listen to music, and you pay very close attention to what does the ground feel like beneath my feet? Uh, what is What do I smell in the woods? Anything that kind of the um, I'm trying to think like the very unprofessional way of saying it is something that you can do that makes you so grounded in the present moment that it kind of blocks out like you can't even think about other like nothing else pops into your head. Though meditation, it's, I, I've, I don't know if I will ever get to this point if it's possible, but things always pop in my head. But part of mindfulness too is recognizing like, oh, here's this yeah, list of things I haven't finished that's popping into my head while I'm trying to breathe into my elbow or whatever it is. <laughs> so I'm just, I, but I'm going to recognize it and I'm going to let it go and I'm not going to get hung up on it and I'm not going to beat myself up for being imperfect and mindfulness kind of plays into all those things. So it's really lovely that the more you practice it, and it is something that you kind of have to regularly practice. It's not just like a you say, I'm a mindfulness and you're set for life. Um, yeah. It would It's something you kind of have to keep, keep up with. But when you do, I have found uh, as a very anxious person who overthinks basically everything um, all the time, that yeah it's just it's just the way of i live i'm very capricorn um so when i when i stay on my game and and be aware of mindfulness principles and and try to practice them it just it helps me from getting stuck in those just endless whirlpools of negativity or you know thinking about 
a future scenario that I don't know what the outcome is going to be because it hasn't happened, but my mind's immediately like, it's going to be the worst thing possible. Let's spend five hours <laughs> imagining yeah. all the terrible ways. So mindfulness helps me rein that back in. And, and it's not always successful, but it is a it is a work in progress and I am a work in progress. <laughs> I feel that on so many levels. <laughs> I am a very anxious person. I'm a cancer, so I'm very emotional. And I'm just like, I, I don't know, always anxious about emotions, other people's emotions, everything. Always. Literally I always. To, live to with the point one where, of those, so I get yeah. it. <laughs> yes. To the point where I feel like part of this podcast is like I overthink everything so in in, in that includes Star Wars so it must be discussed in order for my own anxiety I love that <laughs> I wanted to know if you had any specific exercises that you've worked on worked into your own routine in terms of your mindfulness journey and like what has helped you at least lately the most Oh, gosh, so many. And, you know, that is kind of the joy of, of getting to include a bunch of exercises in this book is that not everything is going to work for everyone. And I'm sorry, by the way, my cat's purring really loudly. So if you hear that in the background. <laughs> I wish we could. Yeah, um, I, I was like, I'm like, oh, you're <laughs> over here. So the nice thing about it being a sampler platter is there will hopefully be something that works well for you or hopefully several things, but maybe not everything. And that's fine. So meditation is my kind of go-to. It's something that I've, you know, I was skeptical of at first because I kind of had that misconception of, oh, the point is you have to zone out and quiet your mind and that's never going to happen. So why should I try? And so kind of coming to understand that meditation isn't that, and it's, it's kind of, you know, about being tuned into your body and, and your feelings and your breath. And, and of course, you're, you're going to get distracted and have that kind of monkey mind, as it's called, but, but that's okay. And one thing I really like to meditate on, which I touch on the book through a Yoda quote, is letting go of shoulds. And because I'm someone I place a lot of expectations on myself. I know many people do. And so a lot of my time is like, oh, I should have... Uh, done the laundry today I should have and it just ends up being like I'll just go through a yeah. list and it ends up being like 5,000 things that I, and 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 some part of my mind I know that is nonsensical but the overachiever part of me is like no this is you need to do all these things you should be doing them to be a human so meditating on shoulds and kind of letting like when I'm meditating some of those pop into my head and then questioning them like Sometimes, you know, you can trace a should back to a reason, like I should work on this book and like, okay, I investigate that. And yeah, I have a deadline and I should, I should be doing that. But if it's so many of the times, it's just something I've imposed and the should comes from nowhere except me. And wow. I, I just need that constant reminder, like, who said you need to do this as you should? Why should you? Um, that, that directive is not coming from anywhere but your own that's not the greatest example about the dishes, but I think you know what I mean, but I love yeah. that one. Yeah, no, exactly. I, like I said, I'm really glad that this book came out this year. It's coming out this year. I, you know, for sharing, um, like our Zodiac, I'm a Virgo. Um, so I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm a Virgo. I'm Caitlin. Hi. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a really big perfectionist about stuff. And so I feel like 
mindfulness has been, I feel like I've been on my own mindfulness journey this year. And so getting to see this book, I was like, oh, yes, this is exactly what I need because I feel like I'm at that stage where I've like dipped my toe into it and like some aspects of it I do pretty regularly, but also getting to have this like starter guide for different things and different exercises that I haven't tried yet to really see how I can incorporate them into my own life and see if they work for me too. So I've been really loving going through it. And I know for me, one of the things you talked about was free writing, which is something, is a practice that I do pretty regularly now. Um, I call it morning pages where you just do. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love morning pages. And it's, uh, for those of you that don't know, and it's it's a lot like what you described as free writing in the book too. But the idea is that when you get up before you like download your email or Twitter or whatever it is into your brain, you just do three pages of stream of consciousness and whatever it is, if it's your worries, your anxieties, your to-do lists, your dreams, whatever it is, right? It's free writing. You just you just brain dump it out. And that's been something that has been really great for me personally this year. <laughs> I started it back in May and one of my first entries in it was something like, I think I'll go back into the office in the next month. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to laugh, but know, you know. know. Laughing yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, spoiler, it's October and I'm not back in the office yet. But I think like that reflection piece of it is just, it's so important in mindfulness. And like I recently downloaded the Headspace app and I'm trying like more intentional breathing and like meditation. And that's something I'm still figuring out. And you talking about like your thoughts are never going to be completely turned off. And before I started, that's what I thought meditation needed to be, like completely quiet, like you're not thinking about anything. But I've been learning that that's not the case. You know, you're always going to have thoughts coming up. And like you were talking about, Amy, of just when you have anxieties or you have thoughts that keep popping up in your mind, meditation is can help you uncover why that's happening. And once you can understand the why, then you can figure out, okay, what's my next step here? <laughs> do I live in this place of anxiety or do I figure out a game plan, take a step back? What should I be doing here? So. I just, I'm, like I said, I'm really glad for this book to be giving me some more inspiration for things to be trying. Um, I really liked the forest bathing exercise. I just, I love how it's titled <laughs> forest bathing. Yes. It, just, it sounds so mystical and like you're on Endor and just like going out into the woods. <laughs> and that's why you mentioned like Endor, like when I included that practice, I was immediately, immediately like, I knew Christina Chung, the just incredibly talented artist who worked on Women of the Galaxy as well, would be doing illustrations. And I'm like, look, this is a place we can put Ewoks. Wouldn't that be great? Um, yes. And my plan came together. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you shared that, Caitlin, and I love hearing about your journey. And I think, you know, something you talked about with free writing and, and, you know, meditation and forest bathing, like there's, there are a few things, of course, um, that you need access to. And I, but generally mindfulness is something you can practice without really having to go buy any special equipment, like pen and paper. Yes. But you don't like have to go buy like a certain, um, I don't know, whatever the Peloton of mindfulness would be. You don't have to go buy anything (laughs) like that. And that's something that I I really appreciate. Yeah, there's just there's so many options of what you can do and figuring out what works best for you is like that is a journey. 
So like for me, free writing turned out to be something that really worked for me and figuring out what kind of meditation I like and the different kind of breathing exercises that help calm me down in the middle of a stressful day. You know, it's not it's not a one size fits all. And I think that's something that is really emphasized through through your book. Good. Yeah, because it's going to work differently for everyone. And, you know, you mentioned like a breathing exercise if you're getting stressed and, and kind of the the idea or hope is that the more of these you experiment with and and find practices and ex- exercises that help you, the more that in those moments when you know you ha- have been maybe a stressful situation coming on, that you can be more aware of. Uh, like for me, it's like my face flushes and I feel really tingly. Um, that happens when I get angry as well. So I can kind of label that because I've been listening to myself and I could be like, ah, I know what's happening here. And I can, it gives me an edge on being able to be like, okay, I'm angry. It's happening, but I'm just going to recognize it. I'm stressed. I'm going to recognize it and cut it off here and not spend, hopefully not let it, you know, wreck the rest of my day because I won't let I like won't let it go I'm really good at like (laughs) digging nails and picking at scabs whatever um terrible Mm. (laughs) you want to like I do that yeah Yeah, that's like uh the perfectionist in me is like if I don't do morning pages in the morning it's no like we can't do it later in the day the day like, is does lost it, does it even count no. i i write the time that i do my morning pages in the journal entry and i'm like well it's it's already 11 45 oh no it's still <laughs> the morning Kayla. i know but like by the time you finish it's past noon and then it's p.m and like, it like it lodges in my brain of you have to do this in the morning even though i don't <laughs> You gotta let go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I love in the book that maybe some of our listeners will recognize is you talk about mindful reading. And I was an English major, and I feel like I I remember this one time. This is kind of a a weird story, but it it has a has a purpose. One time in like my freshman year, uh, my professor called me into their office for office hours, and I was so scared. I was like, "What did I do wrong?" and she was like, I don't think you know how to read properly. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know how to read. I'm an English major. I'm going to be here. I, I'm like really into this. <laughs> I've been reading my whole life. What the heck? And she was like, no, you have to absorb every page. You have to think about the page, the words on the page and how they make you feel and um, sit with the page, uh, remove distractions and think about each word and how it makes you feel and the definition of the word, get out a dictionary if you want. And if you don't know the word, question why you don't know the word or um, what you want to do to change that. Or if not knowing is part of the experience. And that's something that like, I, I, re- I remember being terrified about that experience because it's not, com- it's not comfortable to be like, <laughs> I don't know how to <laughs> you don't, read. You can't of read course. It. Right. <laughs> yeah. In college. I, still, I still think that I, I take that lesson and, that's how I do try to read every single book that I, you know, have a reaction to. And I I had never really seen it until I read your book um, on the page as as something as like defined as mindful reading. And I really appreciated that because I think that when Caitlin and I do cover books on our show, um, like novels, we do this like spiritual practice called Lectio Divina, which is like the sacred uh, reading of um, of texts. 
and it's like an adaptive I, practice. Well, yeah. I'm very excited to hear about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very watered down version of Lectio Divina, but it's it's basically like the first time you read it, what do you react to? What's the word on the page that screams out to you? What about the sentence? If we choose the sentence, let's break it down. And how do these even like how do two sentences on the page that don't go with each other work? We haven't really done it that intense in a long time, but yeah. It's definitely the the framework in which we operate under when we talk about books. So I was I was really thrilled to see this in the book just because as someone who loves words and reading and writing and everything, I was like, this is it. This is how I want to continue to be. And I'm so happy to have this definition. I'm thrilled to hear that because I definitely wanted to include this in the book as a someone who loves to read and also because, you know, kind of what I did in the early days of this book was think about all the possible quotes I could include. And I wanted to make sure to go beyond the Qui-Gon's, the Yodas, for a lot of reasons, including that that would be a relatively short book. But <laughs> there are so many characters in Star Wars that have valuable perspectives. And I think Jocasta knew, I think she gets overlooked. Um, yes, the archives. So important. Also, I like that's the coolest, I think, to me at least the coolest role you could have as a jedi i'm like a jedi librarian like yes yeah. so, she still get the lightsaber that's right and she <laughs> like look what she protects tries to protect later from the empire and i think that was in it was it in the darth vader comic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she was she was awesome <laughs> so just a really fantastic lady all around but she kind of has the moment where she's blinded and like you know it was very adamant that if something's not in the records it's not there and it's kind of just a misconception because misconception what misconception because she's so sure of the the scripts and and everything she has on hand she's like this it this is perfect there the, all the information i can even hear is here and if it's not like that's so silly like that's a very arrogant way of thinking so she's not great in that respect um but i get where she's coming from <laughs> anyway I wanted to use that as a the quote to kind of tie into mindful reading because when I read I love it I love adding books to my goodreads I like seeing that red books number go up it's very satisfying <laughs> in addition to reading it's just tremendous books and but when I get lost in a story I you know something I love to read most nights if I can before bed. And my husband's not really a big reader. So he'll always have something on the TV. And I know when we first started dating, he's like, doesn't this bother you? And then soon realized that I'm so absorbed in whatever book I'm in that he could talk to me and it would take me a minute to be like, what? Like you're just <laughs> the best feeling though. Yeah. Right? So, good. yeah. so you're, so you're in it and you're kind of being mindful in that way. But what I find myself doing sometimes is because I'm really excited about the story and I want to know what happens next is I just do that kind of like, it's not quite speed reading because mm -hmm. I don't really know how to do that, but I read fast and I'll read, have like gone through like a couple of pages and been like, wait, I just like did the reading version of like inhaling a Doritos Locos taco from Taco Bell without <laughs> actually tasting it. Um, love those. <laughs> so much um, so specific I love it yeah. <laughs> I just can eat them so quickly and then I'm like wait did I where how did, did that I, even yeah. happen where did it go um so the thinking about mindful reading was helpful for me because 
in those cases, you know, I go back and I'm like, wait, why are you trying to rush through this story you're enjoying so much? And when you mindfully read, you learn more, you take the time, you know, kind of like you mentioned to stop and look up words you're not familiar with and to just think about the text. And that's way more satisfying than just finishing a book and, and getting to market as read on Goodreads. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. It's so true. And it's it's also, I think, a great respect to the writer too, who pours so much time into yes. these things. It's, I don't know. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's an interesting way to think about the process of reading, which is, I don't think something a lot of people do, you know? No. And, you know, when I think about it, sometimes, especially like I like to read a lot of romance novels and those are not always super long. So I can sit down in an afternoon and, and read it. But then I'm like, is it a, a weird thing? Like, I don't know if I want to tell an author like, oh, I read your book in one sitting for like four hours today. But I'm like, you probably worked on that, you know, like you worked on that for so long. Is that an insult? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm one of those people too, Amy. We're all like, I'll, if I can tell that something is, is heating up like in the action or the romance in a story or whatever I'm reading, the drama, I'll skip ahead to the next page and like right? look like, Okay, all right, and then I'll go back, and then I'll rush through to get to the <laughs> to the quote unquote good part. Um, <laughs> but then going back, it, it like it is important to just like keep that in mind because it can be just a moment to like lose yourself and uh, have those thoughts turned off in your own head about like you were saying earlier, all the shoulds of what you should be doing. Um, I know that I fall into that trap a lot, even when I'm reading of okay, I'm really enjoying this book, but should I be doing something else? Should I be doing the dishes? Should I be you're behind Always. on work. Should you be doing that instead of this leisurely reading? And um, maybe like maybe sometimes I should be working, but other times I should be doing the leisure, leisurely reading and mindful reading. Right. Isn't it a weird thing? Like I think about this sometimes and I apologize for going slightly off topic, but that we kind of get ourselves in this state of like we must earn our rest and how dare we rest instead of doing things and yeah. Whatever we define rest as, whether it's reading or enjoying a new Netflix series, like rest is rest is good and you don't have to like earn justify it. it. Yeah. If, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're so right about that. I, I fall into that trap all the time. Like, yeah. I can't do this until I check this, this, this is off my to-do list or mm-hmm. and my body is just like sleep, take a nap. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's this most ridiculous thing and this is possibly TMI. Where I hold like I'll be busy at work or I'm working on whatever it is. And it's like something simple as, okay, I will go to the restroom after I finish XYZ. It's like, no, what yeah. am I doing to my kidney? Just get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, okay. It makes me yeah. feel better that I'm not the only one. But it is yeah. like a baffling, like, when did I start this? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, my mom, because I was I was a huge procrastinator and still am. But my mom would always tell me, you know, first you have to get done your have tos, then you can do your want tos. And as a child, that's like, that's a good, you know, let's get your chores done and then you can go out and play, you know, it kind of makes sense. But I feel like I kind of internalized that of unless all your have tos are done, then you shouldn't be able to do the things you want to. And um, my have to list is a lot longer when I'm 28 than it was when I'm <laughs> nine. Sure, sure. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's impossible. Um, like even before starting recording and finishing up work and stuff, I was like, okay, after recording, I'm, I, I have a book that I'm really enjoying right now. I was like, 
I'm not going to go and do that. I'm going to go and catch up on the two things that I'm behind on at work. Like that's what I should do with my time. And even, even like as someone who has dipped my toe in mindfulness and is trying to be more mindful about how things like rest are good for you and leisurely activities too, it just, it's so, it can be so hard to turn off your brain to that and to recognize it as that's not, maybe that's not actually what's best for you right now. And mindfulness, like these different exercises that you do can really help you (laughs) kind of get to the bottom of why you think that way and understand that that's like, that, that, that's not how it has to be. You don't have to check off every box in order to get to do something you like to do. Yeah, you can just do it. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's like, it's on, it's on it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it, but it is kind of that moment you're like, oh, and I similarly, I think, you know, I can trace at least some of that back to just like how I was raised and, and that similar, like, oh, you have to do all your chores. But, and of course, like, yes, when you're a kid, those are valuable things to learn and their responsibilities and, and things, yeah. but you can internalize that, I think, a little, like, too much in the wrong direction, yeah. um, as evidenced by the With, panic attacks yeah. I've had as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm there with you. <laughs> so I know we we kind of touched to bring it back to Star Wars a little bit. We kind of touched on Jocasta New, which is uh, one of your favorite moments. Do you have other favorite moments of mindfulness in Star Wars that you got to highlight in the book? So many, honestly, and I know I just joked about there are more people than Qui Gon and Yoda, but I really like Qui Gon and Yoda. <laughs> um, and this book really gave me a greater appreciation. For Yoda as a as a why, which I, I've kind of talked about this a little, just seems like the most like obvious, like yeah, like that's literally how they present him in the saga is this wise teacher. But I, through researching and, and writing this, and probably honestly, like just getting older, like I've come to appreciate Yoda more. And one of the lines of his I love is from the Last Jedi, and it's the greatest teacher failure is. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me to be able to include in the book for a lot of reasons. One, uh, as a nod to my adoration of The Last Jedi and that moment with him and Luke in particular. But it's a, I think, a, a kind of core mindfulness lesson, especially, you know, I tied that quote in the book to a practice about accepting imperfection uh, as a meditation. And you can do that as a meditation, but you can do that, like apply that to how you practice mindfulness, to how you approach like life is just like a a big thing you can take in that it's okay to be imperfect like we all are and messing up is not going to be fun. Recognizing that you messed up and um, making amends for it in the best ways may not be great hopefully it's a good teach like you learn and you move forward but you're still you're gonna fail and you don't like cross like when you failed like spectacularly you're gonna, it's not gonna be like oh, that's it i'm done with the one terrible failure i will have in my life <laughs> um are you, you sure have, i would like that it <laughs> would be really great <laughs> super great so it's kind of a quote about resilience too because it's about kind of accepting that you're going to be imperfect, you're going to mess up and you have to learn and you have to grow and do it again and again. So I love, I love that quote from Yoda. Yeah, me too. It's, it's the best. Every time I see that 
scene in The Last Jedi, I just tear up a little bit. It's just so perfect and beautiful. And I feel like I take something from that quote each time I hear it, which I think is just so special about things in The Last Jedi and just just in general, like the the Yoda wisdom of it all. Yes, 100%. The other side of that, like with the with the Yoda's quote in that moment that I love too, is when he tells uh, Luke that you're always looking to the horizon. And that like, that's such a big part of mindfulness too, of being in the present moment. But Luke was always looking to the horizon, uh, looking towards the future when he shouldn't, when he needed to be in the present. Yeah, that like, you know, that time on Dagobah is really um, a lot of mindfulness 101 because one of the reasons Luke is, you know, I don't want to say he's he's failing, but he's certainly learning and not always really listening to Yoda. And one of the reasons he's struggling is I think he is just thinking about gotta be a Jedi. I got, I got things to do. I got a galaxy to save. I need to get to the end of this training. What's that going to be like? Instead of actually being present for the training and understanding that the training's not simple, that it, you know, I I would not have guessed that Jedi training would involve running around and carrying Yoda on your back in a swamp. (laughs) But (laughs) in Luke's shoes, I would hope they'd be like, okay, this is, I would hope I would realize like, this is part of it. I'm going to give it my all in this moment and not just whine a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I, I relate to Luke in that moment. I agree I with you. I, I hope that I, if I was in that, I feel like I'd be like, Yoda, let's do this. I'm here. I'm present. I'm not thinking about anything else but my moment here. But I, it's going to be, it would be so hot in that swamp. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> no, you make a good point. I've I've been to Florida like in August, and I feel like that's probably pretty close yeah, to what Dagobah is like. No, and it's not. It's not pleasant. And um, the snakes too, you know, on Dagobah, just like random snakes everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, I could say like I would hope that that's what I would do, but I would I think I would be more of a Luke in that situation too. Yeah. Just like, well, what can I do to get off this planet? <laughs> do you have oh. an air conditioner that do I my don't friends know need me do my friends need me yeah i think i think <laughs> they do i think i got a jet <laughs> <laughs> it's really important i'll see you bye <laughs> one of the things i wanted to ask about was the beautiful illustrations in this book by christina chung what was the vibe that you wanted to convey with her about the illustrations here oh man when steve and i first started talking about the illustrations would be, I think, a key part of this book and would also just kind of break it up. So since, you know, it's obviously, like I said, not an academic textbook and it's designed in such a beautiful way. So the text is not dense, but we still felt like illustrations would be a nice way to offset these lessons. And as part of that, we wanted to make sure the illustrations were soothing in a way. And that, and what I mean by that is that they were not in really bright colors, that they were kind of minimalist, that it wasn't like you were going to get um, like a big, like busy comic book splash page, which I love, by the way, just mm-hmm. not the style we wanted for this book. So that was kind of the general direction we went in is that we just want this to be minimalist and clean 
and very like relax i know relaxing to look at isn't the greatest direction which is probably why it's better that steve worked more directly with christina than i than um than me uh but when i wrote the the quotes and the practices i wasn't sure at the time like which would get illustrations and which wouldn't Mm -hmm. so i wrote what i'm sure were not the most helpful illustration notes like maybe this could be ahsoka doing a meditation pose and maybe this one could be mace windu stretching i don't know (laughs) Um, and in some cases i you know if it was something from the clone wars or from a film i would you know link a screen cap reference and but christina's a pro and i think she just i know i'm biased but i think she just absolutely nailed like the aesthetic that we wanted and I haven't seen the book like a physical copy yet, just a PDF. And I can't wait to see these like printed on a page. I love them so much. I think there's something about the um, the, the geometricness of it that yes. doesn't feel – it doesn't feel hard like geometric yeah. shapes, but instead really calming. And I, I love the Clone Wars ones. I love the Ahsoka ones. I was happy, really happy. I, you know us. Uh, so I was really happy to see the Ben Solo one. I, I, I love it. <laughs> and uh, I, just, I don't know. I, I think they're they're so beautiful. And I would totally get some of these framed if it was ever possible. This Qui-Gon one that's on page 20 with like the pink pillars in the background. It's just a beautiful interpretation of these characters. I love it. I agree. And like, that's a good example of kind of the palette not being like super bright because in that scene, obviously you have the the energy shields and you have, um, jars. you just have a lot more bold colors. So I think you pointed out a, a great note about the shape language. Everything is just, is kind of soft and nice. And the waves on that Ben Solo piece, like the way she did that. And that mm. ties in with the practice. I was like, oh, she's so good. <laughs> she got <laughs> it. <Rude>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I hope I don't know anything about this. So this is not like an, a hint or an official, but I just selfishly hope that kind of in the way they did postcards, a postcard set for Women of the Galaxy, this is obviously not as many pieces of art, but I hope that Chronicle does something with the art in this book outside of the Jedi mind so people can get their hands on it. Because I would be right there with you. I'm like, I want that, that print i want to print a ray meditating between the floating yeah. rocks like just yeah. that one is so yeah. great i think that might be my favorite one with the rocks it, just, it works so well i think it's my favorite one too yeah <laughs> they, so now they, i'm looking at it i'm like oh no that one is my there you, you just look through it and you're like man everything is perfect it's just so beautiful i would totally buy those postcard sets then yeah. i for the women of the galaxy book i love that book by the way Thank you. Major props to you. It's it's so great. Mm -hmm. It's a permanent fixture on my shelf. And um, I bought the the postcards. And wasn't there like a journal too? I think I have. (laughs) Yeah, they have a notebook set. And apparently there's a calendar for next year. Um, So I'm like, yes, please put this art on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Charlotte got me that book, actually, as a congratulations when I got hired for my first job out of graduate school. So, Oh, that's it's, very it's a special sweet. for me that, in that regard, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Charlotte the, has excellent taste. She does. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, the illustrations in that book are incredible too. But yeah, I I love the illustrations in the Jedi mind. Like like Charlotte was saying, the shape of them. They just in a way they almost provide like this like this focal point, like a focus point too. Of a lot of them have like that circle shape behind them, and it just I don't know. In a way, it's like something to focus on or just remember, like as you're trying out some of these practices and like the emotions that are being conveyed in some of these in some of these illustrations. Like I love the one with Jen and her mom and you know what is Jen being told in that moment you know trust in the force or the strongest hearts have strongest hearts have what what is it sorry the strongest <laughs> no I'm with you too the, str- the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber the stra- that was it that was it yes. that hearts. the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber um I was like Kyber is not in the right spot in this sentence in my head um <laughs> but I don't know it's just like I, I think it's cool like thinking about these illustrations too as as really paired really well with the exercises and remembering what emotions are being evoked in the films in those times too yeah it is a nice I mean that's kind of a lovely thing about grounding this in Star Wars is is you get to and I, I mean I'm certainly something I do when I research is, oh, I need to go look up this this moment in Rogue One. I need to watch this and see what happens with Lyra and Jen. And what if I just revisited the whole movie uh, because <laughs> reasons. So anything I kind of like can do to kind of make people like revisit Star Wars or to think about in a different way or to recontextualize or just to even have that happy like moment of thinking like, Oh, I love when well, Lyra and Jen, everything about them, and it makes me think about um, oh geez, well, Catalyst, that's it, right? The Rogue yes. One book. Yeah, I love that book. Me too. So it's just kind of nice to like be able to hang these moments on like such lovely fandom touchstones, I guess, for me. And I hope that yeah, yeah it has that effect on other people. Totally. Well, as we head and kind of head into the end of our interview, we were actually going to ask Amy if you would be able to lead our listeners through a breathing exercise from your book. I would love that. And this is such a wonderful idea. And a breathing is one of those very, you know, exercises that you can do um, all the time. Uh, well, maybe not all the time, maybe, but anytime is what I meant to say <laughs> when you're in the middle of a busy work day or when you're waiting in line at the grocery store and just any time. So triangle breathing is something I really like. And I pegged this one to Luke Skywalker's very helpful um, breathe, just breathe. That was beautiful in the film when he told it to Ray and also beautiful for me as a, like, this is obviously going to be paired with a breathing exercise. So, Okay. Let's do this. So picture a triangle in your mind. It can be as big or as small as you want. Then as you hold that in your mind, you're going to imagine a little dot or your finger tracing up the first side of the triangle. And while you do that, while you go up the first side, you'll inhale through your nose for four counts. So you'll do a deep breath in. You can't hear me breathe, um, but I'm doing it. And you do a, but it's a slow, deep breath. So you do it for one, two, three, four. Then when you get to the top of the triangle, when you get to the end of that line, 
hold your breath for four more counts. So you breathe in and you hold it for one, two, three, four, as in your mind, you trace down the second side. And then as you trace the bottom of the triangle, the third side, you will exhale. So you've inhaled for four counts, you've held your breath for four counts, and now you're going to exhale very slowly those four counts as you trace the bottom. And even doing that once is just a good place. It's just to put you in a good place to just break you out of whatever you're doing or whatever you may be ruminating about or stressing out about. And if you repeat it three times, one, it's not a huge time investment, and two, you'll just come out of it like, like just like a good, like relaxed, you know, when you like let your shoulders uh, come become, you know, loose from that. Like I don't know if anyone else holds their shoulders really tense like all the time, but I, I do. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. That's the first time I got to lead a breathing exercise. So that was exciting. I think <laughs> I got to work on my. Job. Oh, thank you. I feel like I need to work on my soothing. No, no, voice. It was, I, <laughs> I felt myself like calming down as you were walking through it, and yay! <laughs> I uh, so I, I recently got the Headspace app, and they have Sleepcasts where it's just like it's it's like a bedtime story, but they go through a breathing exercise in the beginning of it, and this they don't call it the Triangle Pose in the Headspace app, but it's the same idea, and that it's one of my favorite ones. I find it really helpful for me, especially at the end of the day. And while you were talking, I was like, oh, I'd love for her to be on the Headspace app and just walk me through <laughs> Amazing. That is honestly such a high compliment because I love Headspace and Calm and yeah. I listen to Calm a lot. And the lady that I listen to on Calm, I'm like, could you just narrate like my, could you just replace the voice in my head? Right. <laughs> and it could just be your voice. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that, that was really nice. Yeah, so uh, definitely recommend the triangle breathing to our listeners if you haven't tried it before. I, Amy vouches for it. I vouch for it. Give it a try. <laughs> it was great. I vouch for it too. I don't want – Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't vouch, like, no, vouch. I don't. I don't approve of this. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. No, no triangle breathing for me. <laughs> I'm all about square breathing and yeah. square breathing only. <laughs> I, Amy, okay, before we ask you our last final question, this is our second to last question for you. I have been dying to ask you for like two years. What was it like to be in the room in Comic-Con when you were on the podium when the Clone Wars was returning? Oh my gosh. Well, I just got like a wave of goosebumps on my legs of all places. I don't know why they're there, but that, that gives you any indication. Like I still hold that is such an incredible just like fandom moment that I'm so grateful for because I, it was a complete surprise to me. I think that's so great. <laughs> that's I mean, you, were the, you were hosting it and yet you you didn't know and that's so cool. I know. So I, awesome. I really appreciate um, Daniel Kennedy and Tracy Canobio. I think we're responsible for like making that be a secret because I remember Tracy at Lucasfilm kind of, you know, we always have like a run of show when I host panels for them. And the end was just like, oh, it's going to be like a new sizzle reel. And I'm like, well, that's fun. Like I will always, I love, I love a good retrospective sizzle reel. Yeah. Um, great. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> and the the thing that really like just like sold it <laughs> or helped sell it, like I didn't even suspect anything at all 
But the night before the panel, I, I went to dinner with with Tracy and Dave and Ashley and Matt Lancer and just uh, Kevin, um, Kevin Kiner and just, you know, kind of just a touch base before the panel and pregame and Filoni being Filoni was just kind of like, yeah, this is Ratcliffe. This is just going to be the last Clone Wars panel. So I, I just, it really has to be good. I'm like, cool, Dave. Thanks. Um, I wasn't nervous at all anyway. So that really helped. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. Just typical Dave. Dave. Goodness. God love him. Um, And yeah. So then like, I remember like, it was very much, I know people like talk, like it just felt like a weird surreal. Like once the trailer, we got to the end and and they started playing what I thought was going to be a sizzle reel. And it just was like this slow process of realizing like, like me, like just thinking to like, oh, they made some new footage for this sizzle reel. Like, <laughs> I respect the effort. That's cool. And just like this very, like the gears move so like slowly that I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> um, and I know that after we watched the trailer, like I said something and Dave said something and we, we watched it again. But I really, I don't remember that. <laughs> um, so it was, it was really special and just is one of the the best moments period let alone like in my like getting to host and like work it was just so cool that is the coolest thing ever i know for us clone wars is so special to you because you really got into star wars fandom during that right yeah I feel like caitlin is in a similar boat with our relationship to clone wars it's just it was like the pinnacle of us becoming big star wars fan so its return was just so fantastic and i remember i wasn't i wasn't there in san diego but i remember you know the eruption of excitement over it on twitter and on all social media it was so great and i just i thought it was so cool that you actually didn't know and, and how special that would have been um to be a part of so cool it was i like to tease that i think you know tracy at lucasfilm just likes to see me cry in public um <laughs> For at various panels that I've hosted for them, but like for that kind of surprise and just joy, like it's fine. I will ugly cry in front of everyone, and I don't mind. <laughs> Part of the experience. I know that had nothing to do with your book, but I had to ask you. Yeah. No, I <laughs> love thinking about that moment because it was just like one of those like just purely joyful things, and also like when I'm hosting, I'm always worried that I like I'm gonna mess something up. Um, so that I did nothing went wrong on that panel. And then I got that on top of that was just like the, the best day. I just can't believe you had dinner with all of them the night before and they all know what's coming. I know. Like what? Did you reflect upon that? Like, huh. Whoa. Interesting. Did. I'm like, wow, you all like all really good poker faces. And they were probably relieved. Yeah. I remember I did have, I had to leave that dinner a little early because it's Comic-Con and like I had to do something else that night as well so i'm sure that like i like to think about like i'm like all right i gotta leave and like they're all still there and when i left if they were finally just like ah finally we can actually talk about this Uh, yeah wow (laughs) yeah i remember i i guess it was star wars celebration last year when they were talking about dave's trust tree 
And it was like this whole metaphor about Dave's trust tree and uh, like how Ashley and Dee weren't really in the trust tree anymore because <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> he texted her. <laughs> yeah. But they should all be in the trust tree because they literally all had a dinner with you the night before the biggest announcement ever. <laughs> and no one said anything. That's no, it was. I wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm impressed. I would have like been able to keep it in, but I probably would have been acting so like weird all night because I'd be excited. Whatever that people would have known something was up. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably be me too, honestly, if I didn't spill the beans about it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I have, I can keep secrets, but I have no chill. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, so speaking of dinners, right, it sounds like you just had the perfect dinner at that time, but we ask all of our questions, all of our guests, the same question to end our show, which is our Star Wars dinner question. And it goes, if you could have dinner with any five Star Wars characters or creators, who would they be? And the goal is good conversation. That's an important note. Like, what is, what are we trying to get to? Okay, let me think. Um, Neil Scanlon. I love creatures. I all of that fascinates me. Like all that behind the scenes, like coming up with sketches and how it's done. So Neil Scanlon, because we said characters or creators, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Combo too. Whoever. Okay, good. Okay, good. Because otherwise, I'm like, that's if I just threw that name out there and there we said characters only, that'd have been weird. (laughs) Um, Gosh, uh, Ahsoka. Tano, obviously, because I feel like I could learn so much from her. She's just a, what a wonderful being she is. And just so many lessons she's learned that she could impart. Let me think, let me think. Durla Pitas, who I adore, who really is only, you know, she appeared on screen in The Last Jedi, but mainly her story is in the Canto Bite novella and a story called, um, and it was called The Wine of Dreams. And she is a super smart businesswoman who just gets things done. And I just snap my fingers as if you could see that. Um, but I really, I really <laughs> admire her. And I could learn from her. Plus, like, her business is that she's, like, a a really respected, like, basically, like, sommelier who knows um, wines and alcohols and things from around the galaxy and has an exquisite palate and as someone who appreciates adult beverages, I just think she's super cool. That's awesome. I've never heard of this character before, but I, I adore right her. My valley. Yeah. <laughs> and to bring her to a dinner party. Amazing. Right. She could, I, I mean, and I think she could share information about what you were drinking and not like in the like annoying, like, let me just like bore you to death way, but in a really interesting, like she's really good at like, finding like the story so she can sell things like what is the the story behind this where was it made um, and i just clearly i love her and i just wish there was more of her of her in the universe yeah um who else who else um ryan johnson uh because last jedi and i'm wearing actually a super yaki ryan johnson sweatshirt right now it's for knives out but still um i have the other (laughs) one too and i just you know i want to hear his stories from set i want to learn about his approach to the story i i want to hear him talk about carrie fisher um gosh this is hard 
Because I'm yeah. like, well, duh, like Carrie Fisher too. Yeah, that'll be my fourth. That'll be my fifth one. Because oh, she's oh, wait, does that count? Because she's not a creator technically. Oh but yeah, no, she's yeah, yeah. It can be anyone. Okay, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Then yeah, it, duh, like that should have been very early on my list. Carrie Fisher, uh, for so many obvious reasons, I don't think I need to go into. Um, she's just is so smart and witty, and she would make everyone laugh. And I like the kind of like snort out your like snort the wine out of your nose laugh. A um, really great expensive wine that has been provided for the dinner. Yes, the, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, so what a mix: Neil Scanlon, Ahsoka Tano, Lapidus, Ryan Johnson, and Carrie Fisher. That's a, what a great dinner! Yeah. I'm impressed. I love. I also it. think this is the first time Neil Scanlon has come to a dinner. Um, yeah, a dinner. Yeah, and it's about time. He's so talented and. He's cool. so nice too. It seems like when like I have not interviewed him or, or did I interview him once? I did. I forgot. Well, that was rude. Um, <laughs> I don't know what day it is though, so I'm not going to be too yeah. hard on myself. <laughs> You're excused. But, don't worry. <laughs> um, but he's just very kind and very enthusiastic. Which when somebody's enthusiastic about what they do, I'm I am all ears because it shines through when they when they talk and yeah. I mean, just for the um, oh. Sparkly foxes, vol, volpex, volpices. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. From the director in the Jedi, the whole scene where Ryan is giggling or not giggling, and the thalassiren. <laughs> like you could talk about that with Neil and Ryan. It would be such a good conversation. And Carrie would probably make comments about the green milk and like the milking <laughs> process. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> you just what have a stuff. gift. <laughs> yeah. It would be so good. It would be so fun. I love your dinner. Me too. I'm like, and I'm just going to like kind of daydream about that later this evening. <laughs> yeah, you, you chose a really, really great dinner. It's well, such a fun I, question. Yeah, we, we love to ask it because it. I think that it usually reveals like of the moment what people are thinking about. And also, I don't know, Caitlin and I's dinners hardly change from year to year. We redo them every year. And usually it's like, the key players like George Lucas and Ryan Johnson and Dave Filoni and things like that. But sometimes there's a wild card. And I would say your wild card is Darla just because she's, I don't, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people, I have not heard of her before and now I need to know everything about her. And I think that we probably have people listening who are like, same. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just that one short, I got really attached from that single (laughs) short story. (laughs) Well, I think that is going to wrap up our show. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on. And if you want to tell people where they can find you and where they can find your book, uh, please do. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Charlotte and Caitlin, for having me. I think you're both so lovely. And this was really a delight. So (laughs) just a wonderful way to, to kick off my evening. And folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. They can keep up with um, book news and pre-order links and all that jazz at my website, which is amyratcliffe.com. And you can sign up for my new newsletter there, too, which is just something I'm something I'm trying out that's pretty fun so far. And that's everything. And Jedi Mind comes out on November 10th. And you can get it wherever you buy books. <laughs> yes. You have so many books in the works, I feel like. So many cool things happening in your Star Wars life. It's awesome. I I'm very am excited. so impressed. <laughs> you have to come back and talk about the Art of Galaxy's Edge when that comes out. <gasps> yes. Yes, please. Very excited. Very cannot wait for this book. I am thrilled for you and for the book for itself. And yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Amy, so much. We really loved getting to talk to you. And everyone, The Jedi Mind comes out on November 10th. Thank you. So that was our interview with Amy Ratcliffe all about her new book, The Jedi Mind. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you want to talk more about mindfulness, The Jedi Mind, or anything else Star Wars, you can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, an Instagram and a Facebook, all under Skytalkers Podcast. If you Google search us, you'll probably find us where you want to follow us. If you haven't let us a review on iTunes yet. We would love it if you took a second to go and do that. It really helps other people find our show and join in on the conversation with us. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Silver, Marvin, Ashley, Sarah, Stephanie, Rad, Anton, Adam, Emily, Kitty, Kat, and Lola. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.